about church, whatever you think about God, we're just glad you're in the room today. Uh, I'm going to teach from what's known as the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, and for thousands of years, church tradition has gone to this book, uh, not just for wisdom and not just for answers to life's problems, uh, but we've gone to this book for a revelation of God's Son. We've gone to this text as a picture of what it means to be human and what it means to be fully alive. And I don't know if you notice this, but there are people that are living, but not really alive. I'll say that again. You ever felt that? That you're living, but you're not really alive. The gospel gives us tools on how to live a life that's alive and not just go through the motions, but experience the meaning of life. And so excited to teach from the scriptures today, and I hope you get something out of it. Acts chapter two, when you have it, say, I have it. If you got to say, I'm ready. Today we go into one of the more well-known passages of scriptures, probably one of the most confusing passages of scriptures, but one of the most important passages of scriptures when it comes to the church. And so aren't you glad you're not preaching today? Um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to start about the day of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit shows up in the New Testament church. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Here reads the word of the Lord. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrives, someone say Pentecost. Okay, Pente, really simple. This is 50. Pente means 50. This is 50 days from Easter, from the time that Jesus resurrects and ascends, he tells the disciples, go and wait for the Spirit. 50 days go by, and the Holy Spirit shows up. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a head from heaven, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled. Someone say filled. Filled. When you're filled, you're filled. (laughs) Deep. There's no room for anything else. When you're filled, you're filled. So this is the problem with a lot of people in church is is, is we get get a little bit in us. And we wonder why there's so much bad still going on in our life. And it's like when you're filled, there's no room for other opinions. When you're filled, there's no room for other options. It's, It's not like, well, this feels good. It's like I'm filled, which means I'm directed towards him. And so as they were all filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, Part two of our series on the Holy Spirit, I want to title it The Presence of the Holy Spirit. The Presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let's pray together as we open God's Word. Father, thank you for the privilege to open the Scriptures. Uh, For the next 45 minutes or so, would you give my lips uh, your authority? Would you speak through me today, not as just a man, but speak through to all of us that we would get something out of this word. Uh, We need something supernatural. We don't need just a good talk, good motivation, don't want to just feel better. We need an encounter with you today. We need an encounter with your word today. And so we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Turn to somebody next to you. Say, his presence is here. His presence is here. Uh, We have been in a four-part teaching series on the Holy Spirit. And right after Easter, I felt uh, conviction from God, like, hey, now that people are coming to church after Easter, you know, we had some people get saved, we had people get baptized. You know, as a new church, we're about four months in since we've launched, and we're starting to hit strides and grow. I felt like the Lord was like, hey, make sure you teach on the Holy Spirit. Because we have to understand something about God. Last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we said how God is one. Someone say amen. There is one God. We are monotheists. We worship one God. We're not like all the other religions. They got this God for this, this God for that, this God for this problem. You know, what do you need? What do you say? How are you feeling? What's your day? You know, we believe in one God. But in the scriptures, that God has disclosed himself as one being with three distinct persons. So we talked about how there is God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit. Well, how can three be one? It's like the sun. The sun has a core. The sun gives off light. The sun gives off warmth. All three are the same thing. We teach this to kids, okay? The Trinity is one and three. And so last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit and how in the Old Testament, God the Father was there with the prophets. And then in the Gospels, Jesus walked with the disciples. But today, we don't have Jesus on earth, and we don't have God the Father here on earth. We have the Holy Spirit. And so it makes sense in the Old Testament, all the other gods were attacking God the Father. In the New Testament, it makes sense that they wanted to kill Jesus. It makes sense why today the person that's under the attack the most is not God the Father, not Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. On earth today, people are weirded out by the Spirit, confused by who he's like. What is he doing? What is it, a force? Is it an it? And if we're not careful, we will judge an entire person based on one bad experience. I don't believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. Why? Because my last church made us run around in circles, and I wasn't even feeling it. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit's fault, just so you know. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, God does everything in order, and he is not the author of confusion. It says he is the God of order. And so his spirit does some pretty cool things. He does some pretty crazy things. I've seen him do things in prayer lines. I've seen bumps on people's hands go down in the presence of God. I've seen people get out of hospital beds. I've seen people get healed of diseases and come back with the scan and say it's completely gone. I've seen that power. But if we're not careful, we will create an entire movement based on just a part of who God is. And we'll say, well, the spirit didn't show up. God must not be here. And we will judge success based on, does anybody fall out today? Does anybody run around in circles today? Did anybody cry today? Because that's when God shows up. And I just don't think that's good teaching. I think God's spirit is here when we do certain things. And he shows up in different ways. But the reality is he is with us no matter what we're going through. And it's not that some people are more spiritual because they speak in tongues and some people aren't. It's just the Holy Spirit knows who needs what. Can I go a little deeper? In the scriptures, the Holy Spirit shows up in different ways, metaphorically. And let me show you four of them real quick. He shows up as fire. He shows up as water. He shows up as wind. And he shows up as oil. You see the Holy Spirit as fire because sometimes we need God to burn some things off our lives. Some people need the fire of God on them. Two people can come to an altar call. One person needs the fire. They need that thing burned off them. They need the power. But some people need the water. And you know, water is not like fire. It's refreshing. Just tastes good. Sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit just to quench your thirst. Just to say, you know what, I'm going to make it. But other times he shows up like wind because he's got to blow some things out your life. Acts chapter 2 says, when they prayed, a sound came from heaven. Like a mighty rushing wind, the spirit came like a wind. And Jesus goes deeper in John chapter 3, and he says, the wind goes wherever it wishes, but no one knows where it comes from. So the Holy Spirit is like wind and then oil. Ooh, that's when you just, what you were experiencing during worship, that's the oil of the Holy Spirit. You just, in worship, you know, my wife's just, these songs are coming out of her in the moment. She's not practicing some of this stuff. It just comes out. That's the oil, the anointing flowing through somebody. So we know that we, we need him. We need his presence. Uh, We need him to show up. Psalm chapter 16 says this about the presence. It says, you make known to me the path of life. How many would want to know the path of life? (laughs) Am I the only one? The the, the writer says, he, he says, when I pray, you make known my path. He doesn't say you make known my destination. He says, you don't make known the final chapter. You just make known the next step to take. He says, well, you make known the path of life. And watch this. And in your what? Presence. 
is fullness of joy. When you're full, you're full. <laughs> I'm just making this stuff up. Like, you're full of joy when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You ever walked into church thinking about something, and then like three songs into worship, you're like, what was I worried about? It's almost as if like God like opened this door and says, come on in here for a second. Come on into this little booth, you know, and not worry. My wife and I were traveling a few weeks ago to South Carolina and, and we were flying back. And you've seen these in the airports now. There's all these little pods that, that you can actually rent time. And they were nursing pods. They were for like moms that could go in and, and feed their kids and stuff. And I told my wife, I was like, hey, why don't we go in there and just go to sleep? And, and, and she's like, well, we can't do that. What if a nursing mom comes? I was like, your mom? You know, the baby's not with us, but like we could try to make something. Like, let's just go to sleep. And, and I just love the concept of these little pods because when you're in an airport, you can't get a second alone. <laughs> you go into a corner, someone comes vacuuming. You know what I mean? You go over here, someone sits down and just starts coughing all over the place. And you're just like, I need a second. And throughout the airport, these little, these little pods, you know what the presence of God is like? It's like those little pods. In the middle of your day, hey, can you just step in here for a second? Like, I know it's 12 o'clock, and you get 30 minutes for lunch break. Used to be an hour, but your new boss cut it to 30. Now you want to go sue the Department of State, and you want to do all this kind of stuff, and this is not right. And there's the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, why don't you come in here for a second? Why don't you go into your car? Take a deep breath. Why don't you go into your office? Take a deep breath. Go into the bathroom if you need to. Take a deep breath. Because in his presence is where that joy and that peace come. He says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I need the presence. Someone say, I need the presence. What does God's presence do? Let me show you these real quick. Okay, a couple things I was thinking this morning. I was like, he definitely does this in my life. Number one, the Holy Spirit, uh, he, he, he refreshes my faith. He, he, he refreshes my faith. My faith feels new. It's like marriage. The honeymoon stage wears off eventually. And if you're not careful, marriage will become cruise control because you're not putting the same amount of effort and excitement you were in year one now that you're on year 10. It's the same with our faith. If, if, if we get saved in the 70s, but we're on cruise control in 2020 when we need that faith more than ever, I don't necessarily know if that's good faith. Are you following me? So we need our faith to be refreshed. Like, get some authority in your faith. Get some confidence in your faith. Speak to the enemy sometimes. Tell him, no devil, you can't have my kids. No devil, you can't have my finances. Like, like take some authority because his presence refreshes us. I get out of his presence ready to go fight Rocky. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Excited because I'm refreshed. Yeah. Second thing his presence does, it, it, it realigns our motives. Like if you, if, you had a, if you had a selfish reason for doing something, you'll leave the presence of God knowing what it was. You go into prayer complaining about one thing and the Holy Spirit gets you to look at yourself. <laughs> God, I just need you to fix them. And God's like, how am I going to fix them when you're the one that's broken? So, so it realigns us. Third, it reignites our passions. Gets us excited again. Gets us excited about serving, volunteering. This, this women's event, we had women that, you know, came to church on Sunday, heard about the event, and they were like, can I just show up and just help? And, and I'm like, well, yeah, but are you a single mom? Like, I just want to be there. I just want to be in the environment. I just want to make it social. I want to talk. Why? Because they came on a Sunday and had their passion reignited. They were like, I can help people. I can help women. And then Lastly, God's presence reestablishes our identity. We are in a world that doesn't know who it is. And, and at the end of the day, when we're in God's presence, you leave God's presence with an awareness of who you are. You come in thinking that you're one way, but once you tell God who he is, he has to tell you who you are. 
That's how he works. When you call God Father in, in his presence, your identity as his kid gets reestablished. So here's my question to you. What have you been calling God lately? Because that probably reveals what you think about your identity. And maybe you don't directly call him boss or manager or sir, but you might think religion is a list of things to do because you're calling God this boss that you got to please. But if you see him as a father, that there is nothing you could do to get him to love you less. And for all the legalistic people, there's nothing you could do more and better to get him to love you more. The gospel is the perfect medium. For the overachiever, the gospel says, calm down. For the lazy and underachiever, God says, come on, bring it up. And I'm going to bring you both to a place of peace that you can find rest now. Reestablishes who I are. I, I don't even know how we're here. But because his presence tells me who I am, I can keep going. I got no problem t- people talking about me. I got no problem challenging my theology. I got no problem wanting to debate certain issues. I, I, you know, the college has a religion night where all the religions and all the progressive kids come together. And I'm like, how do I get on that ticket? You know what I mean? Because I got no problem having these hard conversations because I know who he is. And because I know who he is, I know who I am. And you can say something in love now without being offensive because your identity is rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. So Acts chapter 2 is a beautiful moment because the Spirit comes to do these things to the church back then and forever now. But what about the tongues part? Anybody else get weirded out by some of the the tongues? Acts chapter 2, let's go back and look at verse 3. It says, when the Spirit comes, divided tongues as a fire rested upon each of them. This is interesting. Now, I'm studying this, different takes on different things, and and some people say divided tongues. Was it like one tongue that split into two? And then like, you know, and I'm like, whoa, easy now. It's, it's, it's no, it's not like that at all. That sounds like Harry Potter kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a writer trying to, the writer is Luke, the same guy that wrote the gospel of Luke. It's the guy that wrote Acts of the Apostles. And Luke is trying to describe something that happens one time and will continue to happen now throughout church history. And he basically says the spirit comes like a wind and the spirit like tongues of fire appeared to them. So it was like fire sat on on top of each one of them. Not like literal fire where their hair is on fire. But the Holy Spirit manifested himself in a way that fire appeared on each one of these disciples as they were praying. And when it says tongues, it's not saying like, like, they began to speak in other languages. They began to speak in other dialects. If you keep reading Acts chapter 2, there was other people there. There's like six nations listed And they said, they're praising God in our language. How do they know that language? That's what happens when missionaries go to China or something, and the Holy Spirit in a movement gets like a white guy that knows no Chinese to say something in the moment in Chinese, and people get saved because of it. It's the Holy Spirit using another language. And so in that moment, the Spirit showed up and filled that room, and something special happened. They started to speak in tongues. Now, there's a difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. Are you with me? I'm going to talk about this in week four. We'll go into the spiritual gifts. Uh, But I pray in tongues every day. I hope you know this. Your pastor prays in the spirit every day. My pastor taught me you ought to pray in the spirit every day. Now, none of you will hear me pray in the spirit because that is between me and God. That is a private prayer language. When I don't know what to pray and I'm tired and I'm stressed, I can get in his presence and just let it come out. But if someone ever speaks in tongues from our stage or in the crowd, like someone just starts going, la, 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 you know, in this big old thing. Someone better interpret what that means because otherwise it's distracting. Are you with me? 
So we're, we're big on order. We love the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this stuff is here, so we have to try to figure it out. Uh, for the, the last few minutes of our time, let me give you some thoughts now about how, like when God shows up. Because now that we know who he is, what he's like, what he does, let's talk about how we get him to come in the room now. How do I encounter the Holy Spirit? When does God show up? Number one, God shows up, number one, when we pray. When we pray, the Holy Spirit shows up. Can, can I... Can I submit that to you today. The Holy Spirit, he's everywhere at the same time. I said that earlier, yes. But when we pray, he makes himself known in ways that we didn't see him before. Driving down the highway, listening to something, talking to somebody else, the Holy Spirit might be there, but it's different when you're a distraction-free zone and you're trying to encounter him for who he is. Exodus chapter 33, let's go there real quick. A man named Moses has been commissioned to lead Israel into the promised land. And God tells him, you're going to be the guy. You're going to lead him into the promised land. We've heard about Moses. You've heard about Israel. One day he's up on a mountain and he's praying. And here's what he says to God. Verse 13, now, therefore, God, if I have found favor in your sight, consider, too, that this nation is your people. And Moses is pleading with God. He's like, I don't want to do this. Like, if I found favor in your sight, like, make sure that your presence goes with me then. In verse 14, Yahweh, God the Father, says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses prayed, and God said, because you prayed, I'm going to be with you now. My presence will go with you. So we need God's presence before we make any major decision in life, before we do anything when it comes to our jobs or the cities we live in or the friends we have or the schools our kids go to or the money that we invest and in, all the, we got we to gotta consult with God before we do big things. May, may none of us have that much power to just make a decision with no accountability in our life. Nobody to at least check. Are you sure about this? Do you have some accountability? Because he, he, he comes when we pray. Let me show you one more real quick. Daniel chapter 10, uh, the Old Testament prophet. Uh, Old Testament, he's not a prophet, but Old Testament, this is known as the writings. And there's a lot of stuff happening in Daniel that's very prophetic. Daniel is in Babylon. He's being enslaved by another group of people. But while he's in Babylon, he keeps his faith. Okay, the environment around him never gets so bad that it changes the faith he has on the inside. Think about that. Babylon was crazy. Babylon was, you know, false government, all this crazy stuff going on, worshipers, all kinds of sex practices and occult stuff. Like, it was crazy. And they tried to feed Daniel the food, and he was like, no, I'm not eating your food. And all he did was ate water, drank water and stuff from the ground. And he prayed three times a day, even though they told him not to. Like, it was a crazy time. And so I want you to see this. Daniel chapter 10, it says, as he's praying, an angel visits him. In chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, then the angel said, do not be afraid, uh, Daniel. Watch this. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come in answer to your prayer. I want you to see this. Daniel is in a very difficult time, and he's praying, and the angel comes, and he's like, because you prayed, I came. Once you started praying, I started making my way. What if you're just giving up one prayer too short? What if, like, the thing you're holding on to is just you gave up one, one time too soon? What if it's just one more prayer, one more season, one more try, one more chance? Because there might be an angel on the way right now, and if you give up too soon, you might miss out on what God's been preparing for you. I think we got to get back to praying. 
being a church of prayer, being a people of prayer. I don't know about this. Pray about it. Well, what do you think about this issue? I don't know yet. I need to pray about it. Well, what do you think about, you know, gun control now that this tragedy happened in Buffalo? What do you think? What do you think? I need to pray about it. Well, all you want to do is pray. That's what I'm supposed to do. Well, prayers and answers don't work. I understand the idea of there needs to be something attached to it. Like, I get it when people are saying, I'm tired of praying. We need to stand up. Absolutely. But before you stand up, you better pray. We need to be people of prayer. The great Leonard Ravenhill once said this. He said, the early church was married to persecution, poverty, and prayer. Today's church is married to popularity and personality. The early church were persecuted. They were poor, but they were praying people. And we have this mainstream Christian movement now that says, where can I find the best personality type? Where can I find the best, you know, place that I can be popular in? And, and let me just tell you, uh, I, I, that's why I love our church is a Bible church. We're a Bible church. We teach Bible. Pastor Andrew is coming next week. He's one of my closest friends. He's a board member at our church. He'll be speaking next week. He already knows, hey, our church is Bible. Come with the Bible. He, what do you want me to preach on? We're in the Holy Spirit. Use Bible. Because if we're always about the Bible, it's never about the personality. Are you with me? God's called me to be the teacher of this church. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. But if you start liking this church for the personality of the pastor instead of the word being preached, you're on a setup to be let down. But if it's about the word and it's about prayer, we'll be focused. Today, we have many organizers Something like that Leonard Ravenhill would say. He would say, today we have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many payers, but few people that are praying. Many singers, but few clingers. Many pastors, but few wrestlers. Many interferers, but few intercessors. Lots of writers, but few fighters. May this church be built on prayer. May this house be a house of prayer. May the Holy Spirit show up because we pray, not because we have a head full of knowledge, but because our spirit calls out on someone bigger than ourselves. When we pray, stuff happens. So the Holy Spirit comes when we pray. I got to hurry up. Number two, he shows up when we gather. So you can be praying by yourself and the Holy Spirit will come. But when we gather, his presence comes. Look at Acts chapter two again, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Talk about a miracle. A bunch of Christians that are together in one place. Well, did they disagree on things? Absolutely, but they were together in one place. Did they have different views about how things should go in the world? You best believe they did, but they were together in one place. Paul tells us we're supposed to maintain the unity. He never assumed that it was gone. He says the unity is here. We need to maintain it. And so they were together. And when they came together, God came. Jesus in Matthew 18, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. When we gather, Jesus says, I'm there in your midst. I'm here. I'm, I'm, he's with us. He's here now. And look what it says. Where two or three gather together as what? As my followers. I will what? I'm there. So my responsibility and my identity is his follower. His responsibility is to be there. Well, God's not in my life. Are you following him? Well, I believe in him. To believe in him and to follow him are two different things. 
to believe in God and to follow God are two different things. I know a lot of people that believe in him but haven't done the last thing he said. I know a lot of people that are frustrated with their current situation and they're saying, why won't God do something, pastor? And I'm saying, have you done the last thing he told you to do? Because until you do that, he might not tell you the next thing. So as my followers, I am there in the midst. When we gather, he's there. Number three, when we worship, he's there. And I'm gonna close this right now, land this thing. When we worship, God's presence is there. Psalm 145, it says, the Lord is near (laughs) to all those who call on him and to all him who call on truth. The Lord is near. What What a word. To be near somebody is intimate, vulnerable. To be near is like, you ever had someone get too close? Like, I'm not even talking about during the pandemic. I'm talking about just now. Like, people just too close. And you're like, I love you, but you're a little too close. How much more nearer is God's presence when we worship him? When we worship God, he comes in the room. I, I believe that. You're in a church that believes that. We, we preach that. We teach that. We sing as if he's actually right here. Uh, because if you're not doing this for him, like I said earlier, you're going to be let down quick. When we worship, he shows. Did you know that the truest you is the worshiping you? The, 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 when you are most like who God called you to be, when your heart and your life is in a posture of worship. Adam and Eve were in the garden and God just told them to enjoy the fruit of their labor and just worship him. And then what happened? They sinned and then they left the garden. And now today we have preachers that tell people about Jesus because Adam sinned. If Adam never would have sinned, we wouldn't need preachers to talk about sin. Are you with me? Because sin wouldn't have entered the world. So we preach today because Adam sinned yesterday. Is this making sense? But if Adam never would have sinned, he still would be worshiping. I want you to think about this. If Adam and Eve had never been out of the garden, their identity was still to worship. I, when, when I'm preaching, you're learning who you are. But when you're worshiping, you are who you are. You are functioning in your highest identity. You are saying beyond I'm this, before I'm this or I'm that, or I'm this or I'm that, I'm a child of God. Before your race, you are a child of God. Before where you're from, you're a child of God. Before your gender, you're a child of God. Before your opinions, you're a child of God. Let's start reminding people who they are and then we'll help them with everything else. But until we know our identity, we will never find our purpose feel him today. Until we find our identity, we will never find our purpose. Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Is it because you've lost sight of who you are? Had someone come to me the other day and we were in a small group and he said, I just want to apologize for what I said. And I go, don't worry about it. And he said, no, no, I don't want to be that. That's not who I am. And he was saying is I'm disappointed in what I did because I recognize that's not who I want to be. And may that be our heart that we recognize when we're not being ourselves, may we draw back and say, wait a second, who am I? I'm a child of God. When I worship, he comes. Last thing, number four, I got to finish. When, when, when he comes, number four, this is the last one. When we gather, when we pray, when we worship, but when we fight, he comes. Don't be mistaken. Jesus is graceful. He's patient, but he is not weak. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, he ain't coming back to play patty cake. I'm not trying to scare anybody on this, because I, I, I can't stand that kind of preaching. You know, if you were to die today, and you didn't know where you were going to go, 
do you want to accept Jesus? It's like, well, even atheists want to accept Jesus if they're going to die today. You know what I mean? Of course. But according to the Bible, Jesus says he's coming back and he is going to come back to make things right. So that's why when someone wrongs me and they don't ever own it and they just continue on in life and I forgive them and, and they continue and, and people are like, how can you just view them the same way? I go, because God's going to make things right one day. Why aren't you frustrated by what's going on and what's going on and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Hey, listen, cast your vote, choose your party, get involved, stand up against things, but be, don't be mistaken. Only God can make some of these situations right. Some of these things, we try to say they're issues that can be fixed, and I'm all for trying to fix them, but at the end of the day, some of these things are sin issues. And until God comes back, some people won't have the fear of the Lord in them. So we got to know when we fight against the darkness, when we fight against things like this kid going into a supermarket and live streaming this shooting that happened yesterday, we got to recognize this ain't just patty cake Christianity. We're fighting against evil. We're fighting against a way of thinking that is trying to outlaw this, that is trying to tell us we can't hold on to these things. You best believe the church is here to fight. We're here to stand. We're here to pray. We're here to agree with heaven. There was a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. The book of 2 Chronicles. He was king. An army comes in and one of the servants runs up to Jehoshaphat. and He says, hey guys, uh, Jehoshaphat, they're coming. They're going to kill us. The Bible says Jehoshaphat was afraid. We pick it up in verse 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. So everyone is like, what are we going to do? We're, we're, about to, we're, we're going to die. Verse 14, and the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. All that to say was this was a guy that was connected to some priests. His dad was a priest, his dad was a priest, his daddy was a priest, all that stuff. Verse 15, and he said, listen, all Judah inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow you will go down against them, and behold, they will come up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeril. I don't want to lose anybody here, because God just said something pretty amazing. He said, this ain't your fight. This is the Lord's fight. So anytime you get beyond your ability to handle something, remember what Jehoshaphat went through. This isn't even my fight. This is God's fight. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to make this my fight and think about everything that I'll lose and everything. No, this is God. And never have I seen the righteous forsaken. He's going to be with me. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord your God. Do not be afraid. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So when you fight Jehoshaphat, I'm going to be with you. What's crazy about this story is when Jehoshaphat goes into battle, he's gathering his team, and, and he's got his setup team, and he's got his generations team, and he's got his hospitality team, and he's got his creative team, and he's got the worship team and the production team. He's got everything we got, right? He's like, all right, guys, we're going to fight. All right, so, so let's get ready to fight. And God tells Jehoshaphat, uh, uh, make sure you send the creative team first. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, send the worshipers in front of the warriors, and this is true. You can continue this story. So what happens is these guys go in front of the guys with the weapons, worshiping. 
Imagine that call. Hey, you're going you're gonna to help us run into battle. Okay, am I going to hang out in the back like background music? Like Tommy's doing? You want me to play keys behind the battle? No, you guys are actually going to play as we march. And the Bible says, the Bible says as they were playing and they started marching, that the Lord caused confusion amongst the enemy. And the enemy started killing each other. Are you fighting the wrong person? Because here's what I've noticed to be true when I'm fighting, especially like some of these big ideas, like these big issues we're dealing with today. Like when we're fighting some of these things, like, like if I'm fighting, I'm doing it the best way for my survival and what I think is right and all that kind of stuff. But if God's fighting, he is fighting from a different perspective than I have. I'm fighting from the middle of the pain, the middle of the grief, the middle of the frustration. You know, I'm fighting because this, this is the 10th person that's lost their job that I know. And I'm fighting because, you know, gas is so high now and people's lives are changing and I'm fighting and I'm fighting and I'm fighting and we're not doing anything. We're just, we're just analyzing what's happening. But if God's fighting, he's doing something we can't see. And we need to know what's going on, but eventually we need to hand that over to him and say, when he fights for me, I have peace. I've watched loved ones cross into eternity and had peace. I've seen divisions in church. I've seen best friends get confused about things and run off and we've, we have peace. That's what I hold on to today. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit so we can have peace. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him like that. I'd love to give you a chance to know him. At our church, we believe that when you uh, confess with your mouth that you desire a relationship with God and you believe that in your heart, we believe it begins. But this moment isn't gonna rescue you from any situation you're in. This moment is gonna give you a new set of eyes and a new heart and a new way of walking through what you're in. And so I want to pray for anybody in the building today that maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have that relationship. I don't know God like you're talking about him, Billy. And and if you're here and you say, I need him, I need the presence of God like you're talking about. Um, If you're here today and you're a Christian already, you're a confessed Christian, this isn't for you. But you're here and you know who you are. I'm tired of running. How are you going to run from a God that's everywhere? Adam ran. He was hiding in the garden. And God came walking down one day and he says, Adam, where are you? You don't think God knew? Christianity is not about finding God. Christianity is about being vulnerable enough to let God find you. And he wants to find you today. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Who am I speaking to? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. Can we pray this together? Father, thank you for every hand that's lifted. Just say this in your heart. I believe today that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died for me. Today, I want to live for him. I believe he rose again. Today, I rise again. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, would you say amen, church? Come on, can we clap our hands? Uh, Hey, for anybody watching online, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know in the chat. We have some team members who would love to pray and send some info to you. And anybody in the building here, if you want to know what's next, if there's anything we can do to help your next step, we've got Bibles, we've got books, we've got baptism coming up on the 29th. Um, 
We just baptized last month 15 people. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, some of them in the room today. Uh, this month, we're going to baptize about four or five. And so if you'd like to be included, uh, let us know. But you can do so after service. And we're just so excited that what God's doing here. Amen. Uh, secondly, if you're in a fight, if you're in a fight right now, that's it. That's all I need to say. You're in a fight and you need prayer today. Would you lift your hand? Just say, I'm in a fight. Don't need to know what it is. Don't need to know details. I'm just in a fight. I'm in a fight. Come on, can we agree today for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be on us as we leave? Father, I pray for every fighter in the room. I thank you for your word that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So I pray that they would use wisdom when they fight, discernment when they fight. I pray that their lips would be wise when they fight. You're calling us to fight, but Lord, let it not be out of feelings or emotion. Let it be out of truth. So we hold on to you today as the one that fights our battles, the one that goes before us, the one that heals, sets, frees, and delivers. So today we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen, amen. Yes, come on. Thank you so much uh, for coming today. I believe today was intentional. I believe this is a message that's going to help some people you know. I think there's people even now that you need to send this to because I think something is so intentional about what happened today. Um, and it's great. Hey, next week is the 22nd. We have a guest here with us. I want you to pull on everything that he gives this place. Um, and then the 29th, like I said, we're going to do baptisms on the 29th, and we're launching small groups on the 29th. So it'll be a great day. Um, the 29th, you'll, you'll get a list of, a full list of all the groups we have available now. Um, you'll have, you know, you'll know who's leading what, how to get involved, because that's the next step of our church now. As we grow here, we need to keep growing here. And so uh, we're excited about that. Before we close today, we are going to have a time of generosity. And so I want to encourage you as you give today, our usher team will be standing uh, at the door there. And as you leave, you can just drop uh, something in the bucket if you like. If you'd like to give online, you can as well, gospelchurch.co. Um, if you're new, no pressure. We, 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 we don't want to pressure you to give. We believe that God just desires our hearts. I was reading about the widow's might the other day. And the story of the widow's might is there's all these religious people going to give their offering. And it says, like, the religious people, they gave, you know, and, and they gave their tithe, and they were like, you know, look how much money we give. And this, this lady came, and she gave proportionally less, so much less than the Pharisees' tithe. She gave two mites. Um, and it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot of money she gave. But Jesus looked at it, and he says, no, truly, she is blessed, not the one that's giving out of his abundance. So just giving is not how much, how much in terms of quantity of money, Giving is, how much is it stretching you? And God will call me to give things at the gas pump. I'll be like, I like these shoes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just a generosity is a posture. It's not an act. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of being. And uh, we thank you for your generosity. As a church, we've been able to um, start a building fund. And so we've officially started a building fund. We're starting to put money aside so we get into a permanent location one day. Um, yeah, it's incredible. We'll have more details for that as, as we go along. And, you know, you guys will get full transparency to everything. Once we start our, our building campaign, you'll know what our goal is, how much we need, and all that stuff. Uh, but we're taking it day at a time. Um, I want to highlight what my wife said. You know, these women we got to bless at this single mom's event. You know? Um, I told my wife, I was like, what's up with Father's Day? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not single fathers, though, right? No, just kidding. 
but like, but th- those are the kind of things, like stories that we can respond to. You know, we're doing a back to school drive this summer and we'll help kids in underserved areas get school supply. Like we're, we're down for that. We want to do that. And just know as you give, we're, we're doing stuff like that. So I want to thank you for that. All right. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to pray and then we'll dismiss you guys. Hey, uh, on your way out, when you pick up your kids, be sure to thank a kids worker today. Be, be sure to thank that team, honor that team. Uh, it's just been amazing what God's been doing in our kids and just hearing the stories and, and the, the team's not watching them, just so you know, like they're pouring into them. They're loving them. They're speaking life over them. So we're great for that. Father, we love you. Thank you for the giving today. As people give, I pray you'd see their hearts, Lord. Uh, thank you for this word. Thank you for the seven people made a decision for you to be their Lord. I pray you give them the courage to take next steps now. Uh, Be with our church as we get ready for summer and just to see just an influx of new faces, new stories. Let us be ready. Stretch our nets and strengthen them so we're ready to receive people as they come. We thank you for this day. We bless this week in Jesus' name. May the rest of this week be the best of our week in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you this week for stuff. If not, we'll see you next week right here.